Hi there, and welcome to Vet Club. It is going to be another episode of Vet Books. It's been a while since we've done a book chapter, so we're going to get back to it. Um, you can talk to her since you're here too. Oh yeah, I was busy doing the music. <laughs> I know, I was like waiting for you to say something. Um, What's the chapter on? I don't even know. Yeah, so Tover has not done his homework. Um, you may remember uh, a long time ago when we did the last chapter, tw- chapter 12, that we, I announced the next one, which is going to be illness severity scores in veterinary medicine. Oh, yeah, you don't like uh, those. I, I don't like when they get misused. So we're going to talk about that. So that chapter 13. Anytime you have to hesitate, ah, 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 so it means you don't vet like book it. number 14, which means chapter 13 in Small Animal Critical Care Medicine, second edition. Edited by Deb Silverstein and Kate Hover. I feel like we haven't said that in a while. <laughs> give them some give them some props. Ah. Is that better? What no? happened? I don't know. I can't hear me. Can you hear maybe it was I my, can hear you just fine. Oh, I thought my headphones are being all staticky. That was weird. I'm okay. Don't worry, everybody. You're very worried I can tell. <laughs> you were whining about that in a previous episode. I yeah. It's still cutting in and out. You can right. try. I'm gonna try to fix it. Two. Try two. No, you're in two. Try one. Okay. Oops, you pressed a button. What'd you do? Wait, what? You I didn't press any buttons. You're trying to reformat our SD card. I was not. Everything. I didn't touch anything. Yeah, you did. There's a touch screen on the. Thing. Okay. Is it? I can. This sounds a little bit staticky still, but okay. I'm gonna just plow ahead, and then we'll flag these uh, headsets. I'll get a new set. So anyhow, chapter 13, Illness Severity Scores in Veterinary Medicine. Authors are Galena Hayes and Carol Matthews. And um, the, the reason, what? A motor's Motor. just staring at the book. Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't like this it. chapter either. Um, so the problem that I have, and they address it, and they do a good job in this chapter of outlining what severity scores should be used for, what they can be used for, and what they shouldn't be used for. The problem that I have with them is that the inappropriate score use that they talk about is mostly what I see people do <laughs> with the with the scores, which is we say, okay, we have um, you know some information about this disease or just a general illness severity score, and that we can use that to predict which patients are going to live and which ones are going to die. And no, you cannot. You can predict that in a pop, like if you said, you know, uh, the dogs with, you know, pancreatitis have a 90% chance of survival. What does that mean to you? It means they have a 90% chance of survival. What does that mean though? So what that means. In a hundred. If I have a hundred. Do- yeah, exactly. So if I have a hundred dogs, they all have roughly equivalent pancreatitis. 90 of them will survive and 10 of them will die. But it doesn't tell me which 90 are going to survive and which 10 are going to die. And the dog in front of you cannot 90% survive or 10% die. That's a zero or a one. It's either 100%. If you put it in a box and don't look at it. it I know, Schrodinger. Yeah, very good. So, and, and that's the same thing that Schrodinger's, that's the whole, the Schrodinger's thought experiment is the same thing. Like you're talking about applying a one or a zero to a probability statistic and it doesn't kind of. doesn't work well kind of anyway it doesn't work you can't do it unless you're an electron um even then no because no i'm gonna say you can't so <laughs> um that's the problem we run into now where scores can be useful and where a score can be useful for an individual 
um, would be say, you know, we've got uh, in veterinary medicine, we have various like iris or akin, we have scoring systems for kidney disease and like how severe the kidney disease is. Or you could imagine like heart disease scenarios where you say, hey, when you have reached these parameters, this is the treatment that you should employ, or this is the stage in an individual when you should start treatment for X. Or for example, like when um, we went to our doctor for our annual stuff and um, they check our cholesterol and Tolfer's on the cusp. I hope you don't mind me sharing your personal mm. medical information of needing um, uh, cholesterol medication, statins. He doesn't have to take them yet. He's doing pretty good, but, um, but they based those kinds of things. So, okay. So based on studies and populations, what we have found is that on average, um, at starting a treatment at this time is advantageous, but they're not going to say, um, you shouldn't get treatment because you're most likely going to like, I don't know. It's, it's particularly dangerous in veterinary medicine, I think, because humane euthanasia is on the table. It's one of your treatments. Yeah. And so if you say, you know, dogs that are humanely euthanized have a hundred percent chance of dying <laughs> that I can say, um, with, with pretty strong confidence. But if you say 90% chance of uh, mortality that, you know, a dog has a 90% chance of dying and then you euthanize it. No, it always was going to have a hundred percent chance of mortality. What about those 10 dogs that were going to survive? What if this was one of those dogs? Yeah. You see that in the, the studies. For it's dangerous. Oh yeah. That medicine a lot where they lump the euthanasias in yeah. with the unsuccessful ones. And it's kind You're of like, no, no, you, you can't don't even, know if that was successful or right. unsuccessful because you didn't try. It didn't complete. And I'm not saying like, I think that the fact that we have humane euthanasia available to us is a really good thing. And I'm glad we do, but I think think we have to be really honest about what what we can and can't predict is the issue. So I think we have to use the information very carefully in how we talk to clients and in in how we make recommendations because if we say, hey, most animals with this disease are going to die, most cats with arterial thromboembolism are going to die. Well, I could say all animals with arterial thromboembolism are going to die eventually, <laughs> but but you know, to say that to take that decision out of the client's hands and just, you know, I think we have to inform them and say, Hey, th this has a, a high mortality rate. Like there's a good chance that no matter what we do, your cat's not going to have a very good outcome. However, here are the things we can do. Um, and if you understand the risks and you understand the costs and you understand, you know, the potential outcome, we can give your animal a chance and it's okay if the people decide for them and for their situation that that's not something they want to do for, you know, any dozens of reasons. Um, but I don't know that it makes a lot of sense for us to take that choice away from them or, um, not fully inform them about what that means, because that's the only way like we ever learn who can survive is if we try. Right. Um, and again, I don't, I don't want to imply that we should be making the decision on the other end either. Like, I think we need to be honest and say, okay, you know, your cat's in pain. It has this underlying disease process, which we know, um, you know, is going to very likely be its life limiting problem. And, you know, your cat's not going to live for 10 more years, but here are the things that we can do. And, you know, there are, there is a not insignificant portion of cats who can get through this crisis and go back and have a good quality of life for a little while. Um, and if that's something that sounds good to you, then here's what we do. And here's what that means. Um, and if you say those, you know, that just doesn't really make sense for me and my family at this time, then we can consider humane euthanasia and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like too, with a lot dangerous. of these 
scale. I don't know any of them, but if you talk about them every now and then, it usually boils down to sicker patients do worse. Right. So that's the other beef I kind of have with the illness severity scores, especially if you're talking about using it to predict what's going to happen to the individual patient. We already know that sicker patients are more likely to die and less sick patients are less likely to die. Like, duh, we know that. I don't need an illness severity score to tell me that. What I need an illness severity score is when I'm doing a research project and I want to compare treatment A with treatment B or treatment A with placebo or the control or whatever, I need to be able to say that the groups I'm comparing are roughly equivalent. That oh, yeah. At baseline, they already had a, the population already had so that's a similar chance. Where they, they yeah, that's what they're for. for. Research, it's not for. Well, that's what, that's what they are. That's what they should be used for. And yeah. And then it's appropriate. So you have to establish, or you don't have sense. to. Yeah, no, that they're very appropriate. That's they really <laughs> the a, primary uh, use for these is research. There's a game. What's it called? It's something ball. It's like murder ball. I don't know. I, I mean that. It's a. It's like a game for people with disabilities, and um, they each get a score for like like if you're missing both your arms, you're like a four. <laughs> okay. Um, and if you just like. If you're just in a wheelchair, you're a one. Okay. And, um, or it might be the other way around. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends on. And it's on. like, you have to have a certain, like, your team can have a certain score, mm-hmm. like number. Mm-hmm. And that's who can be out on the field. So you can have, like, two people that have very, like, that aren't as disabled, but two, like, very disabled people. Yeah, or you can have, <laughs> or, like, like, four, like four moderately very, disabled people. Yeah. That's so a, it's based it's a weird way of looking at it. Yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> um, so, well, the other thing, so, okay, just looking at this chapter. Okay, so this chapter is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six and a half pages, okay? So that's a long one. It's a ve- it is a pretty long one. Um, and so you've got about a page worth of that is applications for illness severity scores, that aren't research. And then the rest of it is research applications. Like oh, cool. the majority, yeah, the chapter is a good chapter. The majority of I was wondering what why you they should, had them and I keep on seeing them. That makes yeah. sense. It's for research. Yeah, so you're trying to say that it wasn't. Because like, you don't want to have a research paper where you like. This treatment did better. Well, no, they were all just not as sick. Yeah. Or, or the opposite. So here's a classic example when you don't use illness severity scores. So like oftentimes in retrospective studies, um, unless you are routinely capturing some of these standard illness severity scores, which I'll talk about that in a minute, um, you, you have no way of going back in time and saying, well, these patients were sicker than those patients or they were equally sick in both groups. And so um, kind of a classic example of, a, in my opinion, a study that gets misinterpreted, and this is likely why, um, a study that was published years ago looking at um, dogs that were um, bit by pit vipers, so pit viper envenomation dogs, and looking at what treatments those animals got and and what was their outcome. And that retrospective study um, basically said, if you got more vials of antivenom, you were more likely to die. Um, if you got a drug called um, diphenhydramine or Benadryl, you were more likely to survive. Um, and based on the, those results, you should take away from that that you should give Benadryl and you should not give very much antivenom. And those dogs are more likely to survive. Yeah. And but it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. If it only took one vial of antivenom to cure you, it probably wasn't you're as not going to give more. 
Exactly. And so people and were okay with that. Or you give as much as you can. Exactly. And so people were okay with that. They were like, well, no, obviously the ones that had more severe envenomations just got more antivenom. So nobody took that away. But what they did take away, they were like, oh, you should give Benadryl. Like I hear people say, like, you should give diphenhydrine. No. Um, if you went back and did the severity scores on those two groups, I guarantee the animals that got Benadryl had lower severities. They were just not as sick because, and the reason I believe that is because if you're ever going to mix up a, a pit viper envenomation if a dog got bit in the face with by a pit viper its face is going to swell up and if it's not that bad you might think it had an allergic reaction <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you might initially give benadryl thinking oh maybe it's having an allergic reaction but because because it was relatively mild but if you have a severe pit viper envenomation you're not going to mix that up with like oh did he get stung by a wasp you're not at all you're going to be like holy crap this is a really bad yeah. pit viper envenomation so, so you're just not a swollen going face you almost don't even need to do anything well i mean depends how swollen it is though but the patients that come in pretty stable but with a puffy face you might be like huh wonder if this is just a little a little you know allergic reaction so you give some benadryl and then later you go oh that's that's getting a little bit worse maybe i should give some antivenom and then later you find out oh yeah that was totally a pit viper envenomation but those dogs were more likely to get benadryl it, this is my interpretation of it and but again you would have to go back and say did all those dogs have some sort of score to be able to say the if i'm comparing dogs that got benadryl and dogs that didn't were their severity scores the same? And if the answer is no, then I can't I can't draw a conclusion. If the answer was yes, then you go, okay, everybody should be getting Benadryl or vice versa, the opposite. Um, and so severity scores can be really, really helpful when you're trying to decide if a treatment is beneficial or harmful because you could um, falsely attribute a worsening condition to a treatment. You could say, oh, you know, patients that get more antivenom do worse or patients that get, you know, antibiotics are more likely to die. It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, septic patients are more likely to die and the right. septic patients are also more likely to get antibiotics. So it doesn't mean antibiotics are causing deaths. Maybe sometimes they are. Maybe Kinda in like some circumstance, you, uh, circumstances they are. If you get a cancer treatment, you're more likely to have cancer. <laughs> That's true. It means, yeah, chemotherapy if causes cancer. Check the whole population. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, so again, there is a lot of really important research applications. Um, but I think what happens is people, you know, publish these severity scores and then everybody wants to use that to prognosticate and to predict who's going to live and who's going to die. And I get why you want to do that. The problem is you can't, sorry, you can't do it. Um, sicker patients, sicker patients are more likely to die, but it's not that it's, that shouldn't influence whether or not we treat a patient. Now, it could, and this this they talk about this in the chapter as well, like you could use that illness severity scores could be used to help you with triaging decisions. Um, you know, when we talk, we've talked about triage on the show and like trying to decide like who is sicker and who is in more need of, of you know, various um, attention and resources. Now you could get down into some nitty gritty distinctions there where you say, okay, these patients look kind of similar. Maybe you're trying to decide um, who goes to surgery first between two patients that arrive at a similar time needing surgery or who gets the last bag of blood or, you know, you could, you could try to use it to, to, you know, make decisions on that. Or they also talk about it in human medicine. I'm not aware of anybody having done this in veterinary medicine, but like seeing how your clinicians are doing. Right. Like, so you can say like, okay, I have, you know, doctors in the hospital and whenever this, you know, case goes and gets managed, you know, who we manage IMHA cases. And when it goes to this internist, they all survive. And it when it goes to this internist, they all die. Okay. That's a bit, obviously, you know, uh, seems very dramatic. It probably wouldn't be that way, but if you actually started running the numbers and it turns out, oh, well, doctor, you know, so-and-so just keeps getting by chance the sicker patients. Um, but if you're trying to actually benchmark and see how are your clinicians doing, you need to have some 
some way to level the playing field and yeah. some way to say, okay, yeah, if you're seeing I'm normalizing the data cases. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this one's really sick. We should send that one to Dr. So-and-so because, you know, she always manages it really well. Well, mm -hmm. then guess what? Her survival rate for her patients might be worse because she's getting the sickest patients. So, um, so there are some non-research applications, but mostly it's research applications. Even that's a research application. It is. If you think it, about it, it is. Yeah. I was thinking that, as I said, it was like, it's kind of a way of researching your individual, um, clinicians, but people don't see it as, is in that same way, but yeah, it is, it's applying, overall statistics, right? Like you're looking at yeah. populations. And if you're using illness severity scores for anything other than assessing populations, you need to take a pause because you may be doing it wrong. Um, you shouldn't be making, you, you absolutely can't say this enough, you should not be making recommendations for or against humane euthanasia based on any illness severity score or any blood test parameter that you run. You can look at the patient and say, this patient is very sick and I predict it is going to, um, you know, be costly and it's going to, you know, need a lot of time in the hospital and, and no matter what, like there's a decent chance that it, it could die. Um, but these are still the treatments I recommend. My recommendation is still to do X, Y, and Z. That's going to give us the best chance regardless of how good or bad this patient is. And then you have that conversation with the client about, you know, Hey, yeah, the odds are not in our favor. Um, but here, here's still my medical recommendation and then have that conversation. Clients often want numbers though. They're like, what are the odds doc? Yeah. And that 50, 50, <laughs> the odds are a hundred percent or there's zero. I, I don't know. So how, uh, like wide does the, the severity score spread the probability? Like, is it, so it has one disease and normal, it's like 65% survivability. Does it go like, like if it's on the low end, be like, 80% survivability and then on the high so end 40 or how none much of the, it None fluctuate? of the score, like none of the like general illness severity scores, like the things that get talked about in this chapter would be like Apple scores, which are a type of just broad application of illness severity scores. In people, it's Apache and Apache 2 scores. Um, so those are just kind of broad where they're not going to say this is the... So it's not even a specific illness no. that they talk about. Then you can apply those scores to a specific illness in order to assess a particular treatment or something like that. Yeah. Now, in individual diseases, they might find one prognostic indicator. So one that's probably been studied more is probably better known than unless we've talked about it on the show before would be measuring lactate in dogs with GDV. And so people will try to say, okay, if a lactate is above this value, the probability of death, it, you know, is 70%. And if it's below this value, then the probability of death is 20%. But again, that's still a lot of dogs that died in the high, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's still just, a, it's a random you just have to pick random numbers and it um those are the ones that i think are the most dangerous uh and th that are most prone to yeah. people using them inappropriately did that kind of answer your question a little bit oh so it answered in the fact that they're not specific to disease most so of them don't are not spread the scores the general scores are not specific yeah. to diseases now other people will take that and apply it to a disease and say okay here's here's what we're gonna you know say yeah. about it so that we can say it seems like it would be hard to like apply hard. it to a a medical thing and give advice based on it. Yeah. But people do it. Yeah. It's really hard, but people are like, Oh, this one's most likely to die. I was like, well, what? I mean like, yeah, the sick ones are more likely to die. <laughs> I don't know. That's always my, my spiel. I'm like the sickest ones are most likely to die. The end. This is also where I like to talk about the surprise test, which is another prognostic indicator, um, which you can ask a clinician 
most of the research, it's been done in some in critical care, but most of the research has been done in um, cancer patients where you'll ask the oncologist, would you be surprised if this patient was still alive in a year? Or they could word it the other way. Would you be surprised if this patient dies within the year? Um, And clinicians are pretty good at predicting. Yeah. (laughs) So if you would be surprised that this patient died within a year, then the chances are they're going to survive. Not all of them, of course. Um, You know, everybody defies the odds in good and bad ways, but um, that one's, it's a pretty accurate predictor, but you still shouldn't withhold treatment for somebody who's likely to die. And you shouldn't, I I don't know. It's just, we just shouldn't apply this to individuals. Yeah. Yeah, Especially odds things. Cause like it doesn't, doesn't matter doesn't really mean anything no. odds wise like no it's meaningless to an individual like if you looked at the nfl and said if matthew stafford's on your team you're not going to win a playoff game I the still odds want say on my that team yeah they won the super bowl this year i actually don't know very yeah he was the uh, detroit uh go detroit detroit lions quarterback oh that's right detroit he's not he's not currently he was the yeah former. he changed teams as soon as he left detroit he won the super bowl. he won the super bowl yeah. sorry detroit that's rough so really what this stat is, if you play for the Detroit Lions, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. A playoff game. So. Oh, playoff games. Playoff Sorry. Game. Same thing. <laughs> you're also not going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, you have, to be, you have to be really careful. So that's the, the main takeaway from the illness severity scores. Um, and I think we should play a game. Do you have a game? I don't have a game. Yeah, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to do a spelling bee. A spelling bee. We yeah. haven't talked about anything in the chapter. You just complained about stuff the whole time. Right. It's not fair. And so I'm going to make you spell some words because it doesn't require a lot of advanced preparation. Yeah. F- play some buzzing, would you? If I can find it. How many How many tries? Three tries before he gets it. Three tries before I get Three it. Three tries. Oh, I don't know which one it is. I know. This is the first game. Nope. Nah. Told you. Okay. That's one. I think you're going to get on the third one. Oops. Wrong button. Who put all these buttons? In spots? <laughs> this is this. Ooh, I don't know. He got it on the second try. Should know. You beat the odds. That. You didn't get it on the first try. Though. I need to change the names on the computers. Spelling bee. Spelling bee. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. You're just gonna play that the whole time in the background. I don't know how long it is. Oh, the buzzing. You don't know how long it is. Yeah, I recorded it, but I don't know. Okay. Your first word is. Inappropriate. Inappropriate? What is no, it? your first word is not inappropriate. The word is actually inappropriate. No. <laughs> As in the inappropriate use of illness That's severity a lot of scores. Letters. I know. So it makes it challenging. Inappropriate. Yeah. I N A P. Is it two? It's a lot of R- dead air. It's a lot of o- dead air. <laughs> okay. P R <laughs> Sorry. You should see. I wish you guys could see his face right now. A T E. No. Ah, oh, what was it? That was it? two P's. Two P's. I N A P P R O P R I A T E. That's right. No, I spelled it right. You got it wrong. All right, you ready? That was for me, not for you. Ran- randomization. Randomization. R-A-N-D-O-M-I-Z. Randomization. 
A-T-I-O-N. Ding, 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 ding. You got it. Good job. Um, all right. That's not going to be on Wordle. No, that's way too many letters. Um, Which, by the way, if you follow us on Twitter, you can see all of our Wordle scores. Yeah, you can. Bobby has one more on her streak because she played it on a day when the yeah, New York Times it bought it. So she got to play twice in one day. I got, I kind of got screwed on that one though i had the word that wasn't a real word yeah yeah which was harder i don't remember gate gabor what was it no what was your word that day my word it was very close to the word i forget my word that day your word that day was agora agora which is a roman plaza yeah and what was your word i don't know yeah it was silly it's something really close it started it was it was i don't know yeah it was argo or something okay predictive predictive yeah predictive p-r-e-d-i-c-t-i-v-e yay you got it okay last word you're you've got two out of three now so to go to get a like fully passing score you need to get transferability transferability so many syllables you pick all these long lettered ones okay model Model, M O D E L. Okay, you don't get any credit for that. Now, transferability—the real one. <laughs> transferability. Model could have been on Wordle. That's yeah. five letters. I think I'll try that. My That'll first be your word next tomorrow. first word tomorrow. Those of you who are choosing the Wordle word, if you're listening. Which, by the way, oh. for Wordle, I am the only one in this couple who have gotten it on the first try. Yeah, which is just really about luck. How many number? How many? Uh, who's gotten more twos? That would be me. Who's gotten more threes? Also me. Who's gotten more fours? I have more ones. Topher has more ones, fours, fives, and sixes. And I have more twos and threes. Just saying. Consistency matters. (laughs) T-R-A-N-S-F-E-R. I-A-B-I-L. I-T-Y. You added an extra I. Otherwise, I didn't know. There's always an, there's one I, you, of those, you I think it's reliability. Does you that. did transfer and then ability. And I want, I thought you were just going to say T-R-A-N-S-F-E-R ability, <laughs> but, but you didn't, you added an extra I. So no, you want to try it again? No. You want one more chance at a new word? Maybe like a difficult short word. Uh, Hang on. Not just like a long, like a tedious word. Fine. Let me try to find one. Short words usually like apple. That's what's coming up in this chapter. A-P-P-E-L. Congratulations. You're so good at this. Um, Congratulations. It's too long. Yeah. It's hard to find short words that are also challenging. Okay. Dyspnea. Dyspnea. See, that's an appropriate one. Okay, let's hear it. It was actually in the previous chapter. <laughs> oh. It just popped up. It was a word I saw that could work. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. Dyspnea? Dyspnea. Dyspnea. Oh, dyspnea. You've seen this word before. Have I? Yes. Promise. D-I-S. Try again. What? Start over, start over. P? No, start over. <laughs> At the very beginning, you've already gotten it wrong. 
dyspnea. Well, I was at the beginning. I thought it was oh. one of those like pterodactyl words. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, start it over again. <laughs> this, is, this is the best. All right. This is your last try. Say it again. <laughs> dyspnea. Dyspnea. D. Yes. E. <clears throat> what? I didn't hear you. D I. That's what no. you said last time. <laughs> it's D. Oh, D Y. <laughs> okay. Then what? S. Yeah. P. E. Dyspnea. Dyspnea. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, you're just getting this all kinds of wrong. So it's D Y S P N E A. N E A. Do you know what it means? Um. It means. Do you remember? It means like. No. <laughs> it's uh, the sensation of breathlessness, like when you can't catch your breath, that panicky feeling you get. Oh. You get the wind knocked out of you. That is dyspnea. It's also the feeling you get when you're trying to words. spell dyspnea. <laughs> it's the feeling of panic when you don't know how to spell the word dyspnea. Um, for our next book chapter, I'll let you come up with a game, and you can make me feel dumb. How's that sound? Okay. <laughs> um, anyhow, so illness severity scores, use them in research. They're wonderful for that. There's some really good ones out there. There's some people who have done a lot of really good work creating these illness severity scores, um, but not so that you could use them inappropriately. So don't do it. Promise me you won't. Topher, you wouldn't do it, would it? I promise. You promise. Thanks, babe. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening. And we will catch you at the next book chapter, which drum roll is going to be. Oh, I don't have a drum roll. I should get one of those. Uh, yeah, we do need a drum roll. It's part two of the textbook. We're moving on from part one to part two, respiratory disorders. What? Chapter 14 will be on oxygen therapy. We'll see you then. We'll catch you, talk at you then. I can't wait to that. <laughs> Bye. Bye.